All right, a little special treat for midweek. We've got a little happy hour with the biz dads. Quick little 15, 20-minute segment we'll try to do every so often, Andres. But uh, so much happened in the sports world. We're sitting here watching the NFL draft tonight, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about with Jordan, too. So let's get into it. How are you, buddy? Everything good? You guys watching the draft? What are you watching it on? ESPN, ABC? Yeah, I mean, I'm upstairs working in my office. I don't know, going on 15 hours or something. I, uh, I'm i on ESPN, so I'm listening to the draft, Trey Wingo, and it's been uh, it's been better production quality than I uh, anticipated. I've, I've been impressed. Yeah, I was, uh, I was talking about that, I think, on the podcast earlier this week. On I was really somewhat concerned on what it was going to look like, but they have done a phenomenal job as – as these networks normally do, particularly ESPN and others, I mean, they're so good at what they do. But man, the amount of time and energy it's taken into getting all these cameras and whatnot into you know, different homes, you can't really tell much of a difference outside the, the crowd. And I got to give it up to Bud Light, Bud Light Seltzer for booing the commissioner. I thought that was fantastic. And he's such a great sport about it. Yeah, no, for sure. He's got the uh, the old good old wood paneled office going on, and he was egging on the uh, the Jets fans, right? Notorious for giving the commissioner a hard time and never being satisfied with whatever pick they make. You know, it's it's unfortunate Todd McShay can't be joining the festivities. I I heard today that he's recovering from uh, COVID nineteen, so definitely thoughts go out to him, and hopefully he's back in the booth because it's fun to hear him and Kuiper banter. Absolutely, we'll definitely uh, hope he gets healthy. You know, I think if you look at the backgrounds of all of these different at-home shots, I was watching the pre-show, and I think the award for best setup has to go to Michael Irvin. He had his, all of his awards back there. He had three Lombardi trophies. It was looking pretty good. You got Kurt Warner on there with his Lombardi trophy, and Booger McFarland sitting in front of a – looks like they sent him a sheet to uh, sit in front of a design sheet with his LSU logo and the draft logo in the background. So somewhere that thing's hanging on a – curtain rod i guess yeah i need to get a biz dad's uh backdrop for uh for my set um i was actually having dinner tonight with the fam and you know heidi my wife was saying how with all the uh the video conferencing and all the images you're seeing of like the stars on shows it seems like a lot more intimate you know you 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 get a little bit of a peek inside of kind of people's homes and you know how they set things up and she was like i can't believe ryan seacrest's kitchen's so small and i'm you know his makeup was so bad and i'm like well nobody can come over and get them all primped up that's right yeah third quarterback to go in the top six i guess that's become draft standard right and the panthers are on the clock you know andrew is a big panthers fan Living in Atlanta, being Cleveland Browns fans, I have no idea how he got to be the Panthers fan other than just he he says he loves Panthers. Huh. So he's got uh, – and we worked with them for a while, so I was fortunate enough to get him all kinds of good swag. So he's all decked out in his Panthers gear. Ben, my oldest, is all decked out in his Browns gear, keeping Dad happy, looking good. Well, right I'm, uh, I'm going to watch the Panthers a little bit more closely. I mean, if you look at the NFC South now, you've got now Brady and Gronk. In Tampa Bay, obviously Atlanta coming out with new uniforms What last week. They need to get back in the playoffs. Otherwise, I think Quinn's done. But then you look up the road in Charlotte, new ownership, David Tepper. From the finance and investment world, he he ran and still does run a very successful uh, hedge fund called Appaloosa. He bought the team. They quickly kind of cleaned house, right? Moved on from the Cam Newton era, signed uh, their stud running back, Christian McCaffrey, to a multi-year deal. Was it Keekley that retired? So it's been a uh, it's going to be a new chapter up there. We'll see what they can do. Look, that's a I had the chance to work for them. That's a phenomenal organization. They're going to do amazing things. Very much in line with what Arthur Blank has done out here with the Falcons and the MLS team. They're on the same track there. 
new venues, taking on the two states. One thing that's unique about that organization is you, if you combine North and South Carolina, you know, that's 15 million people. That's, that's a major market team. And yep. uh, that's the approach that they're taking. So kudos to they're them. Gonna they're going to try to bring a, uh, they're going to uh, try to bring an MLS franchise to Charlotte, right? Well, they got the franchise, so it's yeah. uh, it's happening, and um, that's awesome. It's going to be great. We'll have a little I eighty five rivalry in, in football and soccer. Well, let's see. we keep looking at this draft here, man. I hope my Browns can pull a strong left tackle. The Giants took the one I wanted early, but uh, we'll see what happens. So we'll have to check back in. But uh, did you watch the Last Dance, the Jordan documentary? Oh man, that took me back, Brad. I mean, I graduated from high school in '97, so I don't, I don't know if I could have been more fortunate to grow up in, you know, a better era of basketball. Of course, I'm selfish and I love the NBA and being a Kansas Jayhawk, Rock Chuck. I've seen a lot of, you know, of our guys go on to the NBA. But yeah, it it took me right back and all these guys uh, that we're gonna get into, kind of breaking down the show, and I'm just looking forward to it over the next. Uh, the next four weekends. Yeah, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised on how well it was done. I think uh, I think it's State Farm that did a little snippet with Kenny Mayne there, where they joked that this footage will be used 20 years from now for a documentary. I thought that was brilliant. Kudos to Kenny Mayne for staying relevant that long too, man. I mean, that guy's always been. Remember those Sports Center commercials? How great those things were back in the day. We used to get up early from sc- for school just to watch Sports Center in the morning. So we could talk about it with our buddies when we got to the hallway in the lockers. Yeah, totally. I mean, did you do you know the backstory of those ads um, that that they that they did? There's a great article we'll put out on the website that covered how they created those State Farm ads for the Jordan Show. It's pretty cool. I, I thought you were talking about the ads for the Sports Center back in the day. Those they're all just so iconic. And what State Farm did, I, I just they were so good. Um, but they continue. ESPN continues to surprises me with. Their ability to tell these these docu stories, these documentaries, the um, ratings for for the show were just through the roof, right? I mean, oh, yeah. absolutely blew away their their prior highest rated docu documentary, which was on Bo Jackson. Yep, and I'm going to be interested to see how how tonight runs for them as well, given that this is the Super Bowl. I joked earlier and tweeted that I'm um, going off topic here, but tweeted that um, the whole country now knows what it's like to be a Cleveland Browns fan because the draft is always <laughs> our Super Bowl. And given that there's no live sports, this is always our right. Super Bowl. So, well, no, I mean, one thing that's been so, you know, just in digging into the to the last dance, one of the things that we have lost, you know, in terms of sports is just these opportunities to, you know, to kind of bond, right, with your kids and, and your family to watch, you know, these these magical moments that sports give us. You know, we always, I mean, I remember where I was when, when Tiger won his first Masters. I remember where I was last year when he won the masters and all these iconic moments. And we haven't had those for the last five weeks. So this series is, you know, even though our kids are younger and probably don't appreciate and certainly weren't alive when Jordan was at his peak and the bulls were making their two runs. I'm definitely glad that they, uh, that they've released the series and moved it up. And it's just a fascinating backstory, not only to the team, uh, in this series, but, but also just how the series came to be. So man, I'm uh, excited to jump in. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. Um, you know, my wife and I, obviously big sports fans, watched them together. Margaret and I loved it. You know, I want to watch it with the boys. And uh, my oldest, Ben, gets so jacked up for some of these great stories. And there's been a couple moments. Like, I, you know, I, I made him sit down and watch Tiger win. I thought that was so iconic. We did the same for the tour championship when he won it the year before. You know, I remember those moments with my dad, and I hope he remembers those moments with me is now he's you know almost eight getting into it we'll have these memories 
it's I mean, these are the things that you will constantly talk about, right? And Jordan provided so many of those that it's going to be hard for them to put it in a 10 part series, I think. Well, and I think what we'll do is, you know, since they haven't released all 10 episodes at once is over the next five weeks, we'll come on, we'll spend 15 minutes talking about the prior week's shows, um, hopefully give everybody out there a chance to watch them on replay throughout the week. Um, so there's really no spoilers. And then, you know, we'll be able to watch them either live or watch them on Sundays or during the week and then come on and break it down, which I think will be kind of fun for our, uh, for our listeners. But why don't we set up the show and kind of give people a little background because maybe they, they weren't alive or, you know, weren't old enough to follow the Bulls back in the day. So tell me, uh, tell me what you remember about that, that kind of lead up in the, sh- in the series to this final season that they called The Last Dance. Well, I mean, I th- you know, it's funny. I don't re- necessarily remember. I mean, I remember that, that team. I remember that season. But I didn't know it was such a big deal in Chicago and that Kraus and those guys were at such odds. I think it's a shame Kraus isn't there to defend himself. Right, right. Um, and yeah, they, they've really painted us the him. villain. Yeah. yeah. They've gone hard on him. And, you know, it's – look, there's never love lost, I think, between ownership or a general manager and a star of that capacity at that level. I mean, there's there was nobody ever like it, and there probably will never be anybody like it because you've had the Kobe's and the LeBron's, but, but MJ was just something different, it seemed like. So seeing how the team and how open everybody was with it, I thought that was pretty fascinating. The fact that they, to your point, they're telling the story about how after five championships in, what, seven years, they, they're coming back for the, for the last one. They had told, you know, Phil, you're not coming back. And that started really getting Jordan and, and, and those guys up in odds. And what I loved about the second part was the Pippin story. I never right. really appreciated the fact that Scottie Pippen was so underpaid and so underappreciated, if you will, by the franchise. Yeah. Well, let's back it up. We'll talk about the first. Uh, we'll talk about the first show, and then we'll jump into the second because I I think you've teased it out. I mean, definitely the backstory on Pippen and some of the drama that went into him not playing. You know, part of that that um, that season, especially in the first half. So, as as the first one opened, you're right. Like I don't I don't know how many people really appreciated just all the internal strife in that organization. The Bulls had just come off of winning their fifth title and they're, you know, literally after the championship, Jordan's asked, you know, what, what do you make of, uh, this team being able to make a run? And, and he says, you know, I hope that they don't take away and why would they take it away from us when we haven't lost it? So you sort of have the seeds planted because there's clearly some internal strife. It turns out that, Kraus was, you know, sort of had had lost any uh, remaining uh, confidence in trying to extend Jackson. There was, you know, discussions about Tim Floyd potentially coming in to be uh, the heir apparent. And then you hear this wacky story where Kraus's, um, is it stepdaughter, gets married. The entire team basically invited to the wedding with the exception of Phil Jackson. So, before the season starts, you know, they basically go in and Kraus tells Jackson, look, no matter if you win 82 games, you, this is your last year in Chicago. Phil looks at him and says, no problem. And that's the beginning of the season. Like, can you imagine? It's it's remarkable. So well, as the, the show, thing, yeah. That usually would kill a season. Absolutely. The exact opposite. Now we haven't gotten far enough along, obviously, where it's the beginning of the season, but you know the result. You know the Titanic sinks. In this case, you know they win the championship and they sick you know, go for six. And um 
So yeah, but but look how bad Chicago was. I mean, that's the part of of the first part of the 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 series is they kind of give that foundation of what was the what was the Bulls organization like before Jordan? And so we got all that background on Jordan in high school, you know, not making the varsity team as a uh, as a sophomore and then just coming out and just absolutely blowing up. And uh, I I I had to I had to appreciate the comment that Roy Williams, head coach of the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, said in the show because of course he coached at Kansas for many years and had a, an amazing run. Never won you know, the NCAA championship, but we went to a number of final fours and he said, you know, Jordan told him, he's like, I, I want to be the best. And, you know, Roy was like, well, you got to work harder than everybody else. And Jordan said, you know, nobody will ever work as hard as I will. And literally Roy Williams looks into the camera and said, Jordan could turn it off and turn it on. Unlike anybody he'd ever seen and has seen since. So yeah, you just never saw turned it off. Yeah. He said, yeah. And he just never turned it off. Right. He was such a competitor and you start to see that in in the show, in the first episode, as they're kind of laying it out. But you got all this controversy in the organization, and you you have five championships, and now here we go. The season's getting underway. They go to Europe. They play this exhibition you know, game over in Europe, basically allow the, the media, NBA Entertainment, to follow the team for an entire year, which, by the way, did you know who was running NBA Entertainment during this time? Adam Silver. Adam Silver. That's right. And I, I didn't know the backstory about how the show came to be. So I wanted to spend a second on that. Like Clay Thompson's, you know, dad who played for the Lakers during Showtime, his his uncle, it turns out, worked in NBA entertainment after a, an NBA career. And he went to Silver and said, you know, this is their last run. Why don't we assign a full time crew and follow them around? And they had apparently hundreds of hours of footage that they had in the vault for 20 years. It's incredible. I mean, so again, that's why the guy's running the best league in, in the world right now because he's got that level of foresight. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big Adam Silver. I'm glad yeah. you did it. You know, we get into the second episode, and one of the things that, um, you know, I, I just found so fascinating was the injury conversation of Jordan. I'm jumping ahead of you. I know you've got a lot more to talk about, but you know, for me, there's just so many things that stood out that I didn't realize. And, you know, what an just an amazing athlete altogether. Well, can you believe that Scottie Pippen was the sixth highest paid Bulls player and the 122nd highest paid player in the NBA no. going into that last season? Crazy. He signed a six year, 18 million dollar contract. And what's remarkable is that Reinsdorf told him this is a bad contract. But then, you know, Pippen is interviewed and said, look, I felt like I needed to provide financial security and. And such, and you know, obviously today that that player would literally demand and sit out. I give I give a lot of credit to Pippen because he came back and obviously was a key piece in the uh, in the run to the uh, to the sixth title, which I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah, there's something I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I got to dig into it. I know you'll appreciate it too. I guess there's some stories that have come out about how the Bulls helped Pippen after his career. I wonder if they get into that. We'll have to see. But supposedly, you know, Pippen's done very well post-career financially. He didn't make a lot of money in his career comparatively, but he was recognized as one of the top 50 players of all time. You know, I mean, he's still yeah. – let me ask you this. If you had a duo, would you take Jordan Pippen, Kobe Shaq, LeBron D. Wade, you know, or, or one of the guys, you know, like a – would you take a Magic and, and, and Kareem? Would you take a, you know, a Bird and – I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm again it, talking NBA and 
different eras is tough, right? But uh, but I I thought Jordan Pippen was was the best one too. Obviously, different dynamics without a big man. You know, the Cartwright was the center, and other guys were the centers. I they didn't win lose championships in Chicago because of their big man. But Pippen, unbelievably on the de- unbelievable on the defensive end, just ferocious defensive player, and he became you know, more of an alpha player with Jordan, if you remember, over the course of his career. So he um, he was definitely, as they said in the show, he was the Robin to uh, to Jordan's Batman. And I just I, I haven't seen a duo like them since. Well, it's, it, it's made that this one thing I've noticed is it made him look good. It gave him proper credit or due, I think, Pippen, that is. And it's good to see. I hope hopefully that continues. I don't know any other parts of the story that would contradict that, but I'm glad to see him getting recognized for as good as impact as impactful as he was yeah no doubt i mean there was some some awesome footage in the uh in the second show that you know the bulls made it into the playoffs in some of the early seasons during jordan's career and they they went through that series with the celtics where he just absolutely dominated in the first couple of games played golf with danny ainge can you imagine (laughs) in today's day and age yeah i mean it's a good story but i mean i think he dropped like 49 and 50 or 51 on the Celtics, you know, who had literally like Ainge, Dennis Johnson, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, and obviously Larry Bird. I mean, well, that story about how he he scored 51 or whatever it was, 49 or 51 on him, and in the first night they lost. They go to play golf the next day, and then he comes back the next night. He says on the 18th hole, "I've got something for him," <laughs> and then he comes back and he scores the the highest, you know. 63. 63. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, that's no competitors are few and far between. If you are talking to your kids, I mean, that's the kind of attributes you want them to have, right? And I think you probably bring this thing back down to a, to a dad level. Think about the attributes that your kids have right now that probably make them tough kids, but will make them incredible adults. Right. No, so obviously with some of the stories that Jordan talked about, his family – put all the kids in, in organized sports. And we've talked a little bit about that with our kids and how, you know, they're playing different activities. And I think some of the things that hit me with this show is my brother, he said, there's going to be a part in the second episode that you're going to just hear Jordan talking about growing up and it's going to just hit you, you know, like a bucket of water. And the piece he was talking about was when Jordan was talking about the battles that him and his brother, Larry, used to have outside playing one-on-one and it just almost got to the point where they would have you know literally fist fight brawls on the court and my brother and I I just have so many memories of of those competitive battles uh that he and I had and yeah I mean my dad definitely pushed us in a in a good way to get involved and you know all the things that I could relate to uh, with the show in terms of not just watching the NBA and the talent, but the uh, contributions that sports made on developing my character, you know, the good and the bad. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, the, the attributes that I developed over my life, I, I credit to sports and, and ultimately my hero, my dad, who, who kept us competitive and made us, you know, get after it. And I was, I was laughing at one episode, one part of the episode with, with Jordan's dad talks about, how he was busting, you know, Michael's nuts because he's like, "Get out of here! You don't. Know, what are you doing, boy? Get out of here!" Hey, right, right, you know? yeah. And, and um, I see you don't know some anything of about that in my boys. That yeah. exact, I see that exact thing. And what I think about is how incredible, you know, if 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 they can just continue to cultivate that 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 
you know, that competitiveness or that drive, or I can help instill that drive in them. What an incredible accomplishment that would be as a dad, you know, to be able to. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, of the competitive nature of a Michael Jordan, if you could work, you could you could bottle that up and pour it in your kids. You know what? What an incredible, what what an incredible task. Right. Well, and and you know the determination to to get better. Obviously, that that was something that Jordan said. You know, it it drove him to get his dad's attention, and it drove him to be able to handle those confrontations with his brother. And they were fighting for you know for attention at the end of the day, and wanting that approval. And I think that's you know that's what kids want, right? They want they want the attention, and they want to get um, they want to get support from teachers and coaches and parents. And you know, I just think you have to you have to find that 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 balance. Today, you know, seems like there's a lot more discussion in sports about you know, involvement and everybody being included and everybody getting playing time. And I don't know, you listen to the the stories about Jordan and being cut and it was, and then obviously, you know, at the professional level, that fierce competitor when it almost all costs that, that was born at an early age, Brad. No doubt. And I, you know, I, I don't want to be that dad, but I know I've got some real competitive genes between my wife and I and Ben, our oldest has got this switch that he flips at a level of competitiveness. He's actually sitting here with me right now because the Browns are on the clock, DJ. Uh, Uh-oh. When I say DJ, I'm talking to Andres. His nickname is DJ. Yeah, yeah, that's clock. another good story. Um, says the pick they... is in. So uh-huh. Maybe the perfect way to wrap up our show, either happy or pissed. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think, Ben? What do we think, offensive tackle? Yeah, I got a head nod. You got a head um, nod. That's what we need is an offensive tackle. Yeah, after Joe Thomas retired, right? You got to find the uh, the next heir apparent. Protect. Uh, we got to find somebody that can uh, can protect Baker. Baker, that's for sure. Yeah. But you know, man, I, I think one of the things that's going to be great about this podcast from time to time is we do these little check ins here, is to talk about those kind of things. I mean, we I encourage anybody that's listening to send us ideas too, because I I would love to hear stories about like their kids and to share story more stories about our kids. We probably need to get into that. Oh yeah. Um, and you know it's kind of fun because I got all these little these little funny stories that that uh, we'll have to tell from time to time. Um, oh yeah, from the kids' sports. You know, I'm sitting here trying to listen to a Make a Wish Foundation kid. It looks like a kid from St. Jude's. Yeah, um, getting ready to give the Browns picks. That's kind of a cool integration. Absolutely. Yeah, it's cool that they're still giving giving the uh, the players and their families a chance to kind of have that moment even though it's not live and, and still working in the fans on uh, with all the video technology. So um, one of the questions that I would love to throw out to our listeners to, uh, to get some feedback on is how do you, how do you strike that, that fine line between encouraging them to, to pursue and practice and, and develop their skills, especially when they're young, you know, like seven, six, seven, eight years old, because it seems like youth sports, it's getting more competitive. So how do you support that and encourage that, but not become, you know, that obsessive uh, parent who you're trying to sort of live out your own, you know, sports glory, if you will, through your kids. So I'm curious to hear how other listeners, other parents, other dads are striking that balance because you want your kids to develop that that drive, that willingness to overcome the practicing, you know, putting the shots up in the driveway, all those things. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of other things uh, competing for their time. Yeah, I think, you know, what's going to be fun, too, is we're going to have some guests come from time to time 
I was talking to a, hopefully a future guest, and he's very passionate about what uh, tackle football has done for his youngest son. And yeah, I think there's going to be so many stories like that that we can share. The Browns just made me happy, DJ. They took the tackle out of uh, Alabama, the guy that was yep. protecting the blind side for Tua. So very happy about that. But congratulations, the Chiefs are picking last. That means we won the Super Bowl. That means you won the Super Bowl. You're well represented there in your Chiefs gear. You got Super Bowl Fifty Four well represented on the hat, looking good. Look, a lot of uh, different stuff talked about tonight. That was fun just to get one in here. Um, while there's so much going on in the sports world, very excited to get everybody's feedback and continue to watch the draft here. And most importantly, we'll get a little more Last Dance on Sunday. So make sure you tune in, and we'll check back in next week with a little more insight and a little more opinion on what happened there. Right on, Brad. Great, man. Thanks, guys.